Welcome back to No Thank You Next. I'm Megan. And I'm Rachel. And it's a hundred fucking degrees outside. It's so fucking hot. Guys, <laughs> you're going to hear the air conditioning this episode because it's, it's so fucking hot. Because <laughs> it's really hot. Yeah. It's like been in the hundreds. It's legit been so hot. God, I think when so. we were in Vegas, it was like 110 or 113. Something like that. Oh, gee. When it gets yeah. between 101, it 103, yeah, it 105, matter. it doesn't fucking matter. Yeah, it's just exactly. hot. Which it sucks that, like, Vegas used to be this, like, entity of, like, that's the hottest ever for us, like, when we go on vacations, mm-hmm. right? But now, like, when it's just as hot here, it's, it's just, it's like, I went to another place that felt like home. Mm-hmm. Ugh. Basically. My, I guess not. At least it's a dry heat. Mm-hmm. <laughs> That's there's, true. There's a lot of people that are just like, it doesn't super, fucking matter. It yeah. could be moist as fuck. If it was My, humid, like, doesn't Texas get really humid? Yes. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Bunch of guys. Uh, uh, snow. Florida been, probably yeah. gets ooh, fucking swampy. Ooh, baby, swamp no. ass. <laughs> oh, my God. All day. I under was, boob sweat. Ooh, no, no, no. Just sweat trickling down the back all day, every day. Mm-hmm. Your elbow pits are sweating. The back of your knees are sweating. It's so gross. My hands and my feet are just like water Ugh. fountains. Everyone's like you there. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, welcome to my world, people. <laughs> they're on your level here. Yep. <laughs> but they're... <laughs> <laughs> Welcome, bitches. Yeah, I know, right? Welcome to my hell. <laughs> oh my god! <laughs> All right, yeah. <laughs> so uh, it's hot. We're sweating. It's hot. The AC yes. is on. Yes. So I'm sorry. You'll, you'll hear it, but it's just gonna be buzzing, probably in the background. But you know, we need to. We need to stay cool. We need to survive this podcast. Right? Without dying. We've had heat stroke episodes before. Where we it's have, like, and you've heard. We of, get loopy. We get yeah, a little. We get I, a little funny. I'm 99 sure that's for bagel bite stories came from oh yeah and singing. taco snacks and taco snacks and bagel yeah. bites <laughs> pizza bagels pizza bagels that's what it was oh, damn it. Oh, they sound good <laughs> anyways we always talk about food here because <laughs> it's like right in limbo where it's like it's like when you get home from school it's like i'll have a snack before it's dinner true. time it's the same situation it's true mm-hmm. oh my Strong. god it totally was you that called I, me out for not yeah, snacking and i actually <laughs> ate none of the sweets that came to work today <gasps> Because they have gluten, of course. Yeah, I'm really trying this out. Isn't that interesting when you kind of when you make like a hard rule for yourself? But usually, it's like I'm obsessed and I want to eat it. That's how I usually get to. Yeah, but I mean, you're doing this for like a because, health cause. Yeah, exactly. You want to feel, feel better. Like, exactly. I feel like that's the only thing. Like I'm like Megan. Hello. I think we all have to kind of reach that point with ourselves where we're like, I'm fucking done feeling awful, yes. feeling bad, apologizing when I shouldn't or like not taking care of myself and yeah. feeling like garbage and mm-hmm. starting over every single time. Yeah. Because you fall off the wagon mm-hmm. or you're not yeah. as strong no, in sure. what you've planned. Yeah. We all go through it. But I think exactly. we have to like hit that wall where it's like, okay, yeah, enough is enough. Yeah. When consistently like the normal is feeling like bloated. Anywho. <laughs> not. Here's to taking care of yourself, people. Yes, taking care of yourself. We have yet to really dwell on my summer mind. That's true. I feel like we forgot about that. We kind of did. That's our bad. Well, hey, this is a great segue. (laughs) This is a great segue. (laughs) How are you guys doing? Right? How's everybody feeling? Are you guys working? Summer is finally here. When we did this, it was rainy, so it was easy to say, like, summer bod, forget about it. (laughs) But now summer is here. Mm -hmm. I mean, depending on where you are. Perhaps you're in Australia where it's winter. That's true. Focus on your health. I feel like that is a lot of what's happening now with people that go on these. I wanted to do a cleanse. My summer mind. Summer mind. Got it. When we were the twin babies. Twin babies. (laughs) (laughs) The best pictures. (laughs) I love it. If you haven't already seen it, go to our Instagram, our No Thank You Next podcast, and check out Twin Babies of your two hosts. We're looking real good. But yeah, it's a huge thing. Plus, I mean, mental health is so big. I mean, that correlates to everything that we talk about because a lot of times people just go a little bit too far or they've had underlying issues and then they take it out on the ones closest to them and then bam. Yeah. No, for sure. Mm-hmm. Uh, I almost don't even want to talk about murder today. <laughs> <laughs> I know we're on this like happy, I know. like yes, positivity. Yeah. We are your Ugh. cheerleaders. I'm on. And now we're gonna bring you right the fuck down. <laughs> no. Snap you right I'm back to reality. To Brene Brown. Tell me out there if you've listened to Brene Brown or read Brene Brown. I feel like when I first started it, and then I heard it everywhere, like That's, people talking about it. It was yeah. one of those things. And I was like, oh. It's, it's just one of those things you notice. 
Exactly. Because it applies to you and then all of a sudden it's everywhere. It is. It's a lot to take in. But yeah. But it's good. It's great. It's good stuff. It's fantastic. <laughs> are you are you first up today? I am. It's okay. It's like I forgot what we started, you know? This whole podcast <laughs> about this. <laughs> okay. Just your little daily. This story is well. crazy. Yeah. So because I was even shocked by the end. Okay. This is the story, and I feel like I have a burp, like, right here. It's just hanging out. It's, like, not coming up. Lean forward like that. I need to be like a baby where you push my legs. (laughs) (laughs) Come on, Megan, let's work it out. We'll do it together. Bike paddling. Like when you're first dating someone and you hold those farts and then your stomach gets so bloated and it gets all up in your ribs and then there's no way to get them out. You have to like go to another room and lay down. But then, yeah, when you're ready to actually fart, they never come. Nope. They just like stay in there and <sighs> curse you so for imagine. making them stay. Yeah. Imagine. <sighs> I like found a secret way to fart. Like <laughs> When I first started dating my ex, do you like, like cough or like knock something off the no. table? You're like, <laughs> no, break a glass. Oh my, what was that? What? Do you guys- <laughs> or have you seen? Where the- do you think of the same <laughs> at the same exact moment? Who drops the book? the book and then rips it right after? <laughs> I literally thought of the same thing at the same moment as you. Yes, that would be exactly oh. what would happen. I would drop the glass and it would shut. <laughs> and then just not. Oh. <laughs> exactly. I'll see myself. Out. I'll just go die now. Just- <laughs> Obviously, oh we're God. never talking again. Yeah. <laughs> Open up those butt cheeks wide. <laughs> Sounds like a yoga class. <laughs> yeah. That's what we could do. Yeah. We'll integrate farting techniques with relaxation. And I mean, we got to be open about these things. I mean. You're going to fart during yoga and it's so quiet. <laughs> you know? It's so hard not to laugh, but you got to like just hold it. I know. Together. There it is. Oh, like so a little baby. That's why she was so fussy. <laughs> Oh, I can take about murder now. (laughs) I feel better. (laughs) Oh, my God. What was that from with the book and the fart? I don't – I think it was Was it just like a a viral, like, video on Instagram? Like, we'll post it, you guys. We'll post it for you baby boomers out there. (laughs) (laughs) Mom, I saw that you started following us on Insta. Proud of you. Aw. Yeah, she got a new Instagram handle so she could – I don't know. Have five. Have, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Having two is hard. It is hard. Oh my goodness. Oh it's my true. God. I have three. Right? You guys, if you're out there in like bachelor, yeah, you may start following me on let's let's batch about it. <laughs> what a good person I am. I'm like feeding you the lines. Like, I know. Oh my the god. Next word is let's batch about it. Good. We'll also maybe post that. My amazing memes. I was just telling Rachel how proud I was of my memes this week that I made. It's it really feels good to make something that you're yeah. Just like, oh, this is so funny. I thought it was so funny. <laughs> Had sixty three views. Oh, see, it was funny. No likes. <laughs> Your mom liked it. My mom doesn't even know about the. Instagram. Oh man. <laughs> oh, I just love Bachelor and Bachelorette so much. Anyways, this isn't again. This isn't a that TV type of podcast. <laughs> I will not harass you guys to watch Bachelorette as well, but I hope you've watched Feedback. Rachel, no, I went out of town. It's true. You're I right. sold my house. She bought a house. I bought a house. <laughs> I've been busy. I'm sorry. Like priorities. Yeah, I'm keeping up and up on these episodes, though. Yeah, number one. Which one? Like these. Like our podcast. Like this, oh. this is my shit. Oh. The yeah. TV watching and like yeah. the bathing my kid. Like. That could take. That's backseat. Yeah. You know. Your kid. Forget yeah. about that. Whatever. I've got an essay to write. Herself. Get out of here. She's smart. <laughs> yeah. She could do it. <laughs> she needs to be a latchkey. She needs to figure it out. Oh my gosh. Light shit on fire. She would totally light shit on she fire. She would start lighting shit on fire. She's scared. She would go. She would be the latchkey kid that would go through my room when I'm not home. Oh, 
thousand percent. Because she already like, if she gets into something that she's not supposed to, I'm like Samantha, what are you doing? She, Nothing. <laughs> At two and a half, you sure know that answer. Is. I know. Yeah, That's she's like so interesting. <clears throat> I wonder where they learn that. They just well, she's got like these nursery rhyme videos that she watches on YouTube. Oh, duh, like, YouTube. Yeah, and one of them is like Johnny Johnny, which I never heard, but my little brother knew about it. Mm. And it's like it's just this weird like telling lies. And, mm, no, mm-hmm. Papa, open your mouth, and then they're like eating candy oh, when they yeah. shouldn't be. Mm-hmm. So it's like, and she has us do it. She's like, "Mommy, say Johnny Johnny," because she wants me to like ask her the yeah. questions. But she'll like purposely lie because like I'll tickle her or whatever. But it's like she does it to get a reaction. It's like mm. uh, I don't know if that's good or bad. <laughs> You're learning, but I we know. gotta the wrong thing. Yeah, we gotta <laughs> we gotta fix that. <laughs> well, you know. It is. She'll but, figure it out. Yeah. She's smart. Like you said. <laughs> She'll figure it out. Yeah. <laughs> so this is going to be the story of Eddie Leal. Eddie is 23, living in San Jacinto. Uh, he lives with his parents and 19-year-old brother, Gilbert. Eddie had a dream of becoming a pro boxer, and his parents weren't well off, but they believed in his dream as well. And they supported him completely, and they even built a boxing gym in their garage at home. Wow. Uh, some of the local kids would walk by and see what was going on and ask if they could join the gym. They had enough equipment for them to join, and the area they lived in was actually one with a lot of Hispanic gangsters. So Eddie's dad and him actually hoped that the gym would get the kids off of the streets and safe from the gangs and join and from joining the gangs. Mm-hmm. So it was like another way to like... Just a different outlet. Yeah, exactly. Um, As time went on, Ralph, Eddie's dad, and Eddie actually turned it into an educational venture and leadership course for these kids wanting to join in hopes that it would give them a brighter future. That's cool. So Ralph, who grew up in L.A. in the 80s, didn't want his kids to grow up like he did. He tells them to keep their nose clean and to keep out of trouble. (laughs) So. Those are two rules. Just yep. do that. That's right. <laughs> he saw through his own past what drugs and gangs can do to your future. And I honestly cannot even imagine, which was really weird while I was recording this. Um, I was talking or I was listening to the mini soda, my favorite murder, and they mm-hmm. were talking about their studio apartments. And I literally wrote about it in here because I was like, that was my only interaction with gangs. Mm-hmm. Well, not actual interaction, but like where my apartment was, there was a known gang. Like it was like their alley. Mm-hmm. And so at night I was really stupid and I it was closer where I parked to walk down that alley to my apartment so oh God. was i dumb yeah yep was i listening to my favorite murder and other podcasts while walking down the alley yep yeah <laughs> yeah i was yeah we had gangs at our school when i was freaking in like middle school because really? there would be like the older siblings like that were in like their 20s would have would initiate their younger siblings who were in like high school and middle school and then i remember my mom worked with this um RN who took in like an exchange student for like six or eight months and uh, he was super, super sweet. And then one day um, he was arrested for shoplifting because he had and he was like beat the fuck up because he had just been initiated into a gang and then Mm -hmm. like went to go just pursue yeah that gang life and then i've i actually watched somebody get jumped into a gang and it was the most frightful thing i've ever seen oh my god it was horrifying yeah i was listening to um small town dicks <laughs> which yes guys that's the name okay <laughs> rachel <laughs> <laughs> um but Giggly. one of the hosts talked about um which i do this all the time and she was talking about how she went home And she parked her car on the street. I think she lived in Hollywood, too. And she was just talking on the phone in her car. Like, she just parked. I don't know about you guys, but when I get home from work, that 10 minutes of sitting in my car when I got home is, like, my favorite part of the day. Like, just sitting for 10 minutes, like, I don't know why. Mm -hmm. But I read something recently that, like, other people feel that way. Mm -hmm. But it's just so relieving. But anyways, so it was at night. And she was sitting in her car. She's on the phone with her boyfriend. And so uh, she, it was, she, I keep saying she was sitting in the car. She was. Okay. So she gets out of the car and all of a sudden she's like going through her bag to lock the door. And a man is like literally inches away from her behind her. 
and he grabs her and he had been under her car <gasps> and was waiting for her to get out because she was on the phone for so long oh that he was God. able to get under because she had like a higher car. She starts screaming and like trying to use her keys to get him off and all this stuff. And then all of a sudden she just like relaxed and like let him like grab her. Mm -hmm. And then another car came screeching in and another man came out of the car and like grabbed her legs. And <clears throat> the man that had grabbed her initially said he looked into her eyes and she was just like so calm and so like like distraught in her eyes but not physically distraught she probably just like went into like an out of body oh, place oh sure yeah oh, God. and he was like not her not her and let her go <gasps> yeah and it was like a gang initiation they were gonna take her and do whatever oh my god but the guy that was like doing the initiation felt really guilty oh damn isn't that crazy yes like i was like ever since then i never sit in my car at night like, I'm always just, like, in and out. Yeah. Like, if I'm driving home, I look at my surroundings and I walk. Mm -hmm. Like, I never spend time in my car at night. That sucks. It sucks. Yeah. It does, because I enjoy that time so much. Right. But, I mean, I wouldn't do it, like, <clears throat> I guess I wouldn't do it at night, but. Yeah. But still, it's just, like, it's <sighs> that fear factor that, like, you're going to be attacked yeah. and that you can't just decompress for just a minute because you're going to be nervous looking yeah. in all your mirrors and like checking it your sucks. back seat and just like I know someone asked me recently feeling. like why I love mm -hmm. true crime so much and I feel like that is a big reason like I learned that mm -hmm. like I feel like as women doing these podcasts they're like we, safety measures yeah we all have these tips and tricks on how to survive or do whatever like we listen to these stories and mm -hmm. just these tricks to like continue living and it's nice to know that we're not alone when we do the stupid things oh Exactly. That it's just Which like, it's never okay. like we never want to victim blame, but I feel mm -hmm. like we learn so much from these stories yes. on what not to do. Yes. And I And how easy that we could have been them. Yeah. Like there's so many stories where I mean you guys know it's now episode seventeen and I've told you all my stories <laughs> so far. <laughs> just my teens to twenties. Like yeah. I easily could be any of these like stories mm -hmm. and, and just it's by chance that I met people that weren't like gonna murder me or do yeah, whatever. Because you just you don't know what's gonna make the other person snap. And no, exactly. Sometimes that person doesn't even know they have it in them until they get so riled up. Oh my gosh! That exactly. All of a sudden, it's like it's now or never. Like, yeah, you didn't know you triggered something. In yeah. Them. Yeah. Ooh. Ooh. Anyways, <laughs> so Eddie focused almost all of his energy into boxing and training, so he didn't have time to date. He would use Facebook to connect with friends and meet new people. Um, Eddie was your typical 23-year-old dude who was sweet but also a fan of beautiful women. So when he gets a friend request from a woman named Rebecca Santiago, who's a straight up a babe. I feel like when I wrote that, I sounded like you. <laughs> like I never would have said that before. Um, who's a straight up babe living in San Jacinto. <laughs> Just going to put robotic voice in there. Right? He's stoked because that woman who's amazing wants is wants to like be friends with him and also really local. Mm -hmm. So in some of the articles I read, they called the Hispanic gang members cholos, mm -hmm. but I don't know if that's politically correct anymore. I don't know. I don't either. So I, mean, I feel like people still say it. Yeah. But is it like a bad word? I don't think so. No. Okay. Mm -mm. So I'm going to use cholo for like a sentence and then I felt really guilty. So oh. <laughs> <laughs> I think you're okay. <laughs> okay. I'll ask, um, I'll ask my closest Mexican friends, like, please. I'm only half. I don't know the answer. Can you please tell me? I'm going to be like, bitch, why are you in this town? Ah. <laughs> Go home. Right? What are you doing Get here? It's not here. safe. <laughs> oh, my God. Um, so Eddie messages Rebecca telling her, okay, I guess she had said on her profile that she was like looking to meet new people and she isn't like into the cholos or something. I'm mm -hmm. not entirely sure what her profile said, but, um, what he did message her was he isn't a cholo type of Mexican, unlike that, unlike the cholos in his neighborhood, but he can, unlike them, he can fight. Is basically mm -hmm. what he said. So oh, it's kind of okay. like, yeah, fuck them. Mm -hmm. So Rebecca responds, okay, good. I don't do drugs or drink. So Eddie is like, cool, we're on the exact same page. Because with boxing, he just like, it was important to him to not drink or do drugs. Like he wanted to be healthy. So as the, as the gym continued to get more success, the local gang members would troll them and try to scare them. Because, mm -hmm. of course, they're stealing like their potential members. Right. 
And they would drive by and watch or would stop and just stare, trying to intimidate. Eddie always stood his ground. And during one encounter, he tried to stand up to them. And another guy kind of stepped in trying to protect him from the cholos. I guess I said it a lot longer. <laughs> okay, they left. That's the end of that story. <laughs> God. I wrote a lot of words to just say, well, he won that one and they left. <laughs> so Eddie, at the end of the day, brags to Rebecca about his day and how the t- how tough he was to stand up to the local gangsters. So Rebecca is becoming kind of someone he confides in, like they're talking a lot. Eddie had told his mom a few days before this incident that if boxing didn't work out, he would settle down and get married. So to her, he was changing his goals. And what mother doesn't want grandchildren? Mine <laughs> will not stop talking about it. <laughs> I'm like, I'm not even dating anyone. So, so let's, it's not really get on the table. Yep. So like, <laughs> um, and He never talked about boxing not working out. It was always like that or nothing. Mm -hmm. So to his mom, it's like, oh, okay. So Eddie tried to meet up with Rebecca several times, but each time she canceled or said, okay, maybe another time. So she really was playing a lot of games, which we've seen this before, folks. Mm -hmm. Never good. As the gym really took off locally, suddenly local police got wind and wanted to train there too. Whoa. It was a great gym, so they knew that the police would want to work out there, but also they really liked the police presence mm-hmm. there to kind of protect, like, the gym and the members, and it kind of sent a warning to the gangs, all always trying to start the shit with them, mm-hmm. that, like, hey, police are, like, present here. And so Sergeant Bob Epps would regularly train with them, and to give the local kids a different perspective on who the cops were. Mm-hmm. A lot of the kids had negative experiences with the cops in the area or had family in jail. And Sergeant Epps was appreciative of Ralph and Eddie and wanted to reinforce this community they built was good and that cops aren't all bad. Mm-hmm. So one night, Eddie's car was stolen and the men driving the car were actually caught in the car and arrested in Long Beach. Long Beach police called and asked if he asked <laughs> if he wanted to press charges because they had totaled his car. <gasps> and he wasn't making any money at the time because he's focusing on boxing. Mm-hmm. And he can't, like, go buy a new car. So he's super pissed. And he says, yeah, I want to press charges. Holy shit. Yeah. So of the four men in the car, only one was charged with the car theft. So now the three other men were going to make sure that it was their goal to fuck with Eddie. Mm -hmm. His family pulled together as much money as they could, and they actually bought Eddie a new car. Oh. Isn't that so sweet? Mm -hmm. Um, (laughs) I'm sure some insurance money maybe helped. I'm not sure if they had insurance. They didn't go into detail about that. (laughs) But I'm assuming. A few nights later, after not talking to Rebecca for a few days, she ends up posting on Facebook, who's up for hanging out? And it wasn't directed to Eddie, but he ended up messaging her, hey, want to hang out or grab a bite? But she, again, doesn't respond. Weird. Hmm. And after about 20 minutes, he's about to log off, and she responds, yeah, I want to meet up. So he's like, fuck yeah. So Eddie told his brother that he was going to take the car, but doesn't tell anyone where he's going. He doesn't have her number. But they decide to meet at a local park. Never meet at a park, people. No. Parks are not good at night. That's where uh, go swing. Like right? at the beginning of Are You Afraid of the Dark? It's <laughs> <laughs> perfect sound effect. <laughs> it's true. See, Eva, these things, these rules apply to men just as much yes. as they apply to women. I know men don't think about it because, you know, and especially Eddie, he boxed. He didn't need to worry. Yeah. So he doesn't have her number, but they are going to meet at a local park. And she asks if he's coming alone. And of course he says yes. Eddie goes to the park and doesn't see her anywhere. So he goes home. And she says, I waited for you. It was cold. I went to my friends because I waited so long. So she's like, I'm so sorry. Can you come back? Eddie is worried since she's so flaky that if he doesn't go right then, he'll lose his opportunity to ever meet her. Mm -hmm. It was now 2 a.m. But the next day is Memorial Day. So basically the entire family was home and it was just an extended weekend. So he's like, yeah, okay. It feels like a Saturday. Yeah. So since it was Memorial Day, his entire family was home from work and they were making a huge breakfast. And then they realized Eddie never woke up. So they go to wake him up and he's not home. 
And this wasn't like him to just like not be home. Mm -hmm. So they start calling him and it goes straight to voicemail. Gilbert, Eddie's brother, jumped into the family car and went to the was on his way to the local gym, thinking maybe he had a training session that day or forgot to tell them that he was going to the gym. When he's on his way, he got a call from his dad thinking, okay, Eddie must have just come home while I was like on my way to the gym. So he'll turn around. But it turned out to be a detective. He told Gilbert he is with his parents and he should come home right now. He saw his parents beyond distraught in the front yard, and they brought him aside and pulled out some evidence and asked him if it belonged to Eddie. They had pulled out a ring, and it was Eddie's. So they told him, from what you verified to support the evidence, we believe your brother was murdered. Oh, my God. I know. And we're currently investigating who did it. The entire family was distraught, and even Sergeant Epps was notified of the killing, and he went to see the family because he was so close with them, Mm -hmm. and he's just crying with them. Oh, so sad. That's awful. I watched his interview and it was he was crying as he was telling it. Oh, I know. That's heart wrenching. I know. Um, Randall Wartman was the first on the scene and he found Eddie in his car shot, and he had found next to Eddie in his phone dialed, which is crazy because I was just telling about my dream mm-hmm. that he had dialed nine one. Oh my god! I know. And I was telling Rachel earlier that I always have these dreams, like when I'm in serious, con- like whatever. When I'm trying to dial nine one one, I always dial nine one nine four four nine this, and <sighs> it just like is. I had my dream before I wrote. I heard this story, and it was just like that's even creepier. That's just I know. It's just. <laughs> <laughs> Um, they found casings and fingerprints in the car, so they were hoping that would lead them to someone. They also go through Eddie's computer. As soon as they wake the screen, Rebecca's profile and their conversation is right there. Oh, okay. So detectives, uh, Detective Wartman started with the men who had stole Eddie's car because the week prior, like, hello, correlation, like, mm-hmm. these men took his, took his car and he pressed charges, so they probably were angry. Mm-hmm. When he looked through the backgrounds, they were all asso- they were all associated with ge- being gang members. So he's like, okay, these are, like, men that would totally do this. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, then they contacted Facebook to get the IP address connected to the Rebecca Facebook page. Unfortunately, with the car thieves, they are all capable of doing it, but they all had alibis that checked out. But the IP address does give them an address. The address is only 100 yards away from where they found Eddie's body. Oh, oh my God. Yeah. So it was like the person was really fucking close. Yeah. Um, When they got to the home where there wasn't a Rebecca, they asked the whole family and it turned out that there was no Rebecca. The house was the home to the Guzman family. And they're questioning if they had the right home at first because they're like, uh, we're looking for this woman. And obviously there isn't one. Mm-hmm. So they transported the whole family except for the mother to the police station to question them. I don't know why exactly. I was like, well, that's weird. Yeah, I don't know why. I w- I'm not sure if like maybe she didn't. I, I honestly couldn't yeah. tell you why. Mm-hmm. But... Um, maybe her speech didn't like correlate with what she would have said yeah. like in the message. I honestly have no idea. So um, the 17-year-old son's computer is searched first, Manuel Guzman, because he seemed to be using it before they got there. So they knew they needed to download the time-sensitive information before transferring it to evidence. Manuel was calm and didn't seem to be worried by the line of questioning. When asked where he was on Monday at 2 a.m., he said he was asleep. When asked if he knew Eddie, he acted like the name sounded familiar, but no, I don't know who that is. Um, He said he didn't even know the murder occurred, which was like, it's 100 yours away, dude. Of course you know. Like, it's in your neighborhood. Yeah, like, you'll hear a shot being fired. Mm Mm-hmm. Just if you're that close. Right? You would. Yeah. But thing was... Manuel did know Eddie, and he had taken a boxing class once, but he didn't come back. He wasn't affiliated with any of the gangs. He was just a local kid in the neighborhood. Okay. So they lived in the same neighborhood. Yeah. So it's like, okay, that's a red flag because everybody else in the family is saying that they do know you. Right. Um, Since Manuel is a minor, he was only 17. Um, they can only hold him up to six hours. And with no evidence connecting him to the murder, they had to let him go. 
The first evidence back was the fingerprints. Some matched Eddie, but they needed to connect the other prints. They wanted to rule out the family first, but when they went to look up a record for Ralph, the father, there wasn't one. So they called him up, and it turned out his real name was Gilbert Leal. And when they ran... With that, they ran that name with his date of birth. It turned out there was a warrant out for his arrest for murder from the 1980s. Oh my gosh! I know. Since he was so close to the police, they of course felt were devastated and felt like betrayed. But they had to arrest him. So of course the family starts to question if their dad could have done it because he's capable of murder. Like yeah. he turned his life around, but yeah, they don't know. They had just gone through so much in a week that they just, they weren't thinking clearly and they were questioning if their dad or her husband or dad, whatever, Mm -hmm. could have done it. But they try to see if there's any links for him to have murdered his son, but there wasn't. So he absolutely did not murder, Mm -hmm. um, murder him at all. Uh, Ralph believes it was karma put on him for murdering someone in the 80s. Wow. I know, which is so, so sad. Oh um, I mean, murder, like, I don't know. I feel so conflicted. Yeah. Because it's like he turned his life around and was doing so much good. Like, that's what they wanted, like, in Canada when they, like, rehabilitate these murders. Mm-hmm. Like, this is their ideal candidate. But at the same time, it's like, I don't know. He was associated with gangs and those were things that they did. It's, it's like he's trying to turn everything around. He's like, he doesn't want his kids to accidentally make similar or yeah. the same mistake that he did. So he was just like... Keep your nose clean. Mm-hmm. Just be safe and, like, yeah. take care of your shit. Because he was probably in a gang. He was probably affiliated with, like, maybe, like, selling drugs. And yeah. it just turned yeah. from bad to worse. Like, yeah. maybe he ended up killing this person because they owed money to, you know, his... Yeah. Like, I, I'm obviously I grasping, but I, I you just don't... I had a, it was gang-related, but... Yeah. I don't know. I just feel like... <sighs> It's just, I know. It's just there sucks. is no, there is no like right murder like there is. No, I know, no. but I just felt so sad. I know when I discovered this. Ugh. So they're trying to get more information on Manuel's computer, but it takes anywhere from two to fifty-two weeks to find ev- evidence on a computer to build a case. Jesus, I know. Thankfully, in this case, they found evidence to prove the computer was used to send med- messages to Eddie. The entire Facebook profile was made on the computer, and they find evidence of stolen pictures. And during the initial interview with uh, Manuel, he they asked him specifically if anyone else had access to the, this computer. Mm-hmm. And he kept saying, no, 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 it's my computer. Uh, nobody else had access to it. I used it that night, which I feel like when people ask such direct questions, like maybe yeah. we're just like... I don't know. Maybe. I don't. Like, I would say something like, yeah. even though I wasn't guilty, I would just like to cover myself. Yeah. <laughs> like, I don't know. Maybe. I, I don't know. I had it out. And, Could uh, have been anybody. <laughs> uh, but he was just like a sociopath. So. So it's weird when they show him the Rebecca profile pictures, he has no idea what they're talking about. So since they had no motive or proof, he used the profile to lure Eddie to the park to kill him. He remained out. But they needed to have enough evidence with a, without a reasonable doubt to press charges. Because mm-hmm. you know how that goes. Like, if they, like, willy-nilly and take a trial, and then it's, like, you can't do double jeopardy. Mm-hmm. So they need to be secure. Exactly. So Eddie's mom would call detectives and beg them to not give up on the case. Because Manuel, they were in the same neighborhood, and he would ride his bike past their home. Isn't that so... That's, like, sadistic. Evil. Yeah. yeah. They kept driving, they kept diving deeper into the computer because they needed to link him. They looked into his logging on and off patterns, and that night he had been able to log in and out with the perfect amount of time to get to the park and back. And he messaged Eddie saying, if you see my brother, don't tell him why you're waiting here. So he knew Eddie would think, he wouldn't think twice if he saw a male at the park Mm -hmm. because her brother was there. Right. One day... They got a call from someone in the community saying that Manuel, who was who goes by Tito, had messaged him from the fake Rebecca Facebook messaging saying, this is Tito. This is the fake Facebook account I used to mess with people. Don't tell anyone. <laughs> what? Oh, my God. Yeah. 
That was all they needed, and they had a witness to correspond the evidence. Wait, do we know how old he is? Is he he's a minor? He's seventeen. Technically, when it occurred, he was seventeen. So when they go (laughs) to trial him, he still was a minor in the case. Yeah, and it now when they go to arrest him, it had been eleven months. Oh, so technically, I think he was eighteen. But the way they trialed him, I don't know if that's a California thing, but. He was trialed as a minor. Hmm. Um, they knew they had strong, a strong case against him, but in front of a jury, they felt they needed more. Which, mm-hmm. like, guys, we have so much evidence. I know. <laughs> they start to look into who else Rebecca messaged on the fake Facebook page. And it turned out he had messaged a man named Ryan, who was in the Marines and was 18 at the time, and totally fell for Rebecca. She was from his town, and he was like, Yeah. Fuck yeah. So Ryan was actually stationed in Hawaii, though. So when Rebecca asked to hang out, Ryan couldn't hang out because he wasn't in town. Mm -hmm. Manuel also messaged two other men three days prior to murdering Eddie. It seemed it didn't matter who he met with. The killing was at complete random. It was that Eddie took the bait. (sighs) Isn't that nuts? That sucks. I know. Like... To me, I thought it was going to be like, he got mad, he didn't get into the boxing gym or something. It was yeah. just completely random. random. It was just that Eddie was like, yeah, I want to meet. I know. Manuel was found guilty of murder and was sentenced to life without parole. Manuel was later named a thrill killer because he did it all for the thrill. Eddie was just a random guy that he picked and took the bait police believe that had he not been caught he would have continued this spree because he was like doing the same thing over and over Mm -hmm. and would it most definitely had been a silly a serial killer the way he acted after it all occurred was so cold and calculated so they knew like yeah this guy's crazy police attended eddie's funeral as did a lot of people from the community because he changed so many lives with his passion for boxing and his brother still tries to support the community through boxing mm-hmm. that is the story of eddie layoff wow no it's not seeing i did not see that coming i know me either and i never heard of that story either it was just like no we'll see i know poor eddie it's just like at that young 17 like like but how long has he been like thinking about doing this i know like or like an even younger age yeah exactly was there other signs that they just didn't like did he like torture his pets or something yeah neighborhood cats and shit i know i know people suck and it sucks because like you just i don't know it's like there was really no way for I mean, don't go to a park at 2 a.m. in the middle of the night when some stranger that you've never met is messaging you. I know. But men think that it's fine. Like, they don't need to worry about that. Actually, that was the thing that I was going to revert back to Mm -hmm. is um, men do need to worry about these things Mm -hmm. just as much as women do. Mm -hmm. Um, I was in Vegas these past couple of days with my husband. And, like, there was a – there was a – like young dude in the pool and he like put his drink off on the side and then like went for a little swim and I was just kind of like I was looking at his drink and I was like watching him and I was just trying to see like is he keeping an eye on it is he does he remember where he put it how many drinks have he had prior to this like and then he came back and went and I got his drink and I straight up told him People roofie men just as much as they roofie women. And he's like, wait, what? I was like, I didn't fuck with your drink. I'm just dropping some knowledge on you. Like, just be safe. And if if he, like, later goes and, like, tells his friends, like, yo, this weird girl at the pool is telling me to watch my shit. Well, then hopefully your friends will start watching their shit. But, yeah, we started talking. They're, like, from Colorado. And it was, like, a whole group of them. And they're all, like, in their, like, early 20s or whatever. But I seriously was, like, watch your shit. Like, you just – you need to be careful. Yeah. He's all, does that really happen? I'm like, yeah. They're not trying to rape you. They just love the fact that they've ruined your whole fucking night and possibly the next day. Like – People don't care. They'll drop shit in your drink when you're not looking. Like, you just have to be fucking careful. Yeah. Both men and women. Or, like, rob you or do whatever. Yeah. Like, follow you around and, like, figure out where you're going. Yeah. And, like, if you end up in your room, they'll, like, go in your room while you're, like, fucked up. Who knows why people do the things. I think we're obviously more aware, but we think the darkest. Someone's following me. Someone's doing this. Yeah. Well, sometimes you're right. So, it's better to be safe. Exactly. 
Ugh. It's just better to be paranoid. <laughs> exactly. Always be paranoid. So, like I said, I was in Vegas. Yes. Really nice little mini vacation. Um, but while I was at that same pool, I think it, it was it was after I told that kid to watch his it's shit. Gone. So <laughs> the second trippiest thing happened. Actually, this was just fucking crazy. I texted oh, yeah. you like immediately. You freaked out. And I was I, like, I can't wait to hear what I it is. Freaked out. I was like, I was trying so hard to like keep my composure and not seem like such a fucking weirdo. But uh-huh. oh my god, this blew my mind okay so i went to cool off in the water because it was 113 degrees yes and uh i noticed that there was a little bee drowning so as i do i put my drink down and i saved the little fella a woman near me noticed and came over to me and she was just telling me how nice i was for saving the bee i just laughed it off and was like said something like oh we depend on them it's the least i could do like, save all the bees or some shit. Aww. And then I just, like, didn't really think about it. And she just kept the conversation going. Okay. So after about three minutes of seemingly harmless insect chatter. So we're talking about bumblebees and all sorts of crazy. And we just, we <laughs> all went of off. the bees. All of the bees. Um, I asked where she's visiting from. And she tells me that she's there visiting for the day to see her dad who is in prison. And where she's, yeah. So where she's from, I won't say because I did not tell her that I researched true crime murder (laughs) stories for a podcast. So I will respectfully keep her name, age, and any identifying traits about her out of this episode. So it's her dad. (laughs) Yeah. Except that it's her dad. Well, in the, in all of the articles, there's no mention of what her name is or anything like that. So it's just complete like anonymity in that sense. And maybe I just forgot what her name was. Because okay. <laughs> I do that. It happens. it happens. As soon as someone's saying their name. Yes. Like, Buck. Yeah. <laughs> I'm just going to wait for somebody else to say yeah. it. Oh, and there have been so many instances where like people will go and they're like, hey, this is my wife. And they're like, hi, nice to meet you. And it's just like, no, you got to tell me your name. Because yeah. my husband doesn't remember and I don't know who you oh, are. And they're God. always like, hey, nice to meet you. I'm like, what's your name? Oh, my God. I oh, hate God. that. It happens. What are you going to do? I know. So in my nice, best bee-saving voice, (laughs) I ask a few questions, and she politely tells me that her dad is in prison for murdering his fiance 10 years ago. Wow. Okay. So I'm trying to keep my mouth from falling open. And she gives me their names and their details. After a little more. That you remembered. (laughs) Yeah. I was just – because I asked her. I'm like, what was her name again? Mm-hmm. And then his name? Mm-hmm. <laughs> Tell me her name again. <laughs> like, let me go get my phone. Down. Yeah, it's my notepad over there. <laughs> Don't mind me. <laughs> I do this with everyone I know. Everybody, in yeah. I just really love talking to people, <laughs> getting to know them. Normally, oh I'm like, stay the fuck away from me. I'm listening yeah. to music. Leave me alone. For real. But after a little bit more conversation, we move on from why she's there. And she's ready to get out of the pool. And she... Gives me a big hug. Goodbye. Tells me how nice it was to meet me. Of course, I fucking oblige and give her a stranger a hug. Of Of course, course, I'm going to do that. Because that's me. (laughs) Um, She hugs me goodbye and that's it. She gets out of the water. And I think like right before she's about to leave the pool, she comes back over and goes like, Rachel, it was so nice to meet you. And I'm like, hey, bye. (laughs) (laughs) You too, friend. (laughs) Girl. (laughs) Yeah. So this is about Robin Jenkins and David Frostick. Robin was born in San Antonio, Texas in December of 1963. She's a five-foot little dynamo who loves to sing and just has a really big personality that just lights up a room. Her family moved to Santa Rosa, California, where she went to high school and also where her father has been teaching for like 20 years. And after graduating high school in the 80s, she decided to take those incredible pipes of hers to Las Vegas to start a singing career. Robin and David knew each other in high school, but they weren't close friends, according to Robin's dad, Vic. David worked in construction. He was previously married and had a daughter, a.k.a. my new pool friend. But that marriage ended in divorce, and so David would later connect with Robin years down the line. Like, they're in, like, their 50s by the time they start dating. Oh, wow. And um, 
And it was about two years before the two of them decided to move to Vegas. She was probably like, I'm going to do a singing career. And there's a shit ton of construction out in Vegas. Like yeah. we drove past where they're um, building the Raiders oh, uh-huh. football stadium. Yeah. Jesus, that thing's huge. huge. Yeah. So big. It was cool. So it's May 10, 2009. So it's Mother's Day. And maybe it's the stress of work or money, or maybe they're just not meant to be in a partnership together. But Robin makes the decision to end things with David, and she's breaking off the engagement. Like, she's had enough. She's done. Hmm. He's upset, I'm sure. Mm -hmm. Robin is probably, like, still has that, like, anxious feeling because nobody wants to break up or break up an engagement with somebody. Especially if you live together and you move there together. Like, awkward. Yeah. So... I'm sure she felt a little relieved, though, just to get that off her chest. Mm -hmm. And so she goes to the kitchen, pours herself a glass of wine, and she calls her dad. So she's pretty close with her dad. While she's on the phone with her dad, Vic hears Robin say to David, put that down. And Robin tells her dad to stay on the phone with her. And then Vic hears her scream. Mm. So Robin's dad, Vic, stays on the line with her. But he tells his son, who's, like, about his daughter's age, like, Robin's age, they're, like, in their 50s. He tells his son, who's visiting, to call 911 due to the domestic violence taking place in that very moment in Robin's home. Oh, my God. So police arrive at the Swan Bay Drive residence in Las Vegas, and there's no answer at the door. Oh, no. Then police notice the blood pooling from underneath (sighs) the front door spilling out into the front patio. Oh, my God. So I think that she was trying to escape and run for safety. and he did it right But never made it out. (gasps) So since there's no answer, police and there's obviously Uh something terrible happening. Yeah. Police kick in the door. Oh, God. I know. (laughs) They enter the home. I think they have to kick it to, like, bust the lock. Okay. But, like, not, like, full. No, it wasn't, like, a full, like, bust down the door thing. But they were able to, like, break in, basically. Okay. They entered the home. And out pops David from the living room with a seven-inch butcher's knife covered in Robin's blood in his hand. Oh, my God. And the only thing that David is saying is, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. And the cops say that he said it about 20 times. (gasps) Yeah. According to one officer at the scene, it didn't appear that David had any blood on him. But he was wearing, like, a dark, like, multicolored shirt. So it could have just been, like, you think it's, like, a splash pattern. But it turns out, Mm -hmm. no. It didn't appear he had blood on him, but the scene of the crime was pretty gruesome. And David wasn't cooperating. Mm. Police had to wrestle him to detain and cuff him because he's a a big guy. Oh, wow. And they got blood on them from the crime scene due to the scuffle of trying to arrest him. Oh, my God. So Robin was pronounced dead in her home from 10 stab wounds, four lacerations, and several defensive wounds. So you know that she was trying (gasps) to like. Her fingers. Yeah, exactly. And the hands and just, oh, God, I just can't. I can't imagine. David was arrested. And um, I mean, it's basically obvious. Yeah. Like with this homicide happening that it was him. He's the only one there. Mm -hmm. Um, He was arrested and he spent about seven years in Clark County Jail before his murder trial. He's one of the longest tenants to live in that jail because David's ass just kept dragging his feet by hiring and firing his defensive team one after another after another. Oh, my God. So prosecutors were finally like, we're fucking done. We're over this. It's n- it's not fun to sit and wait on this case. Yeah. Like, enough is enough. We yeah. want to get this murder trial underway. And he had no choice to move forward. But, like, he basically obstructed the murder trial by taking seven long years to get his story and his team ready for the trial. Because people's memories will fade yeah. about what happened. or Absolutely. Yeah. So it's just like it, like the dust is settling, but like in a way that people don't want it to happen. Like mm-hmm. they want justice. They just don't want it to be like ignored and put away. But yet people still want to move on with their lives. Mm-hmm. So it's it's rough. I think that anger and resentment from the family's behalf is what kept that justice fire going. Wow. Because David pleads not guilty. He's like, no, I didn't do it. No, that ain't me. Wow. I wonder what he thought he'd get in trial. I really don't know. By like pleading not guilty. Right? There's other evidence, but there's, and there's no other evidence that proves that anybody else did it. Like there's just, there's just nothing else. I wonder if he thought his charm would get him off or something. Something. Yeah. You just, it just, 
You just don't know. Yeah. So Robin's father testifies against David in court. He told the court and the jury, quote, I heard her being killed on the phone. I am a witness. I heard it. Wow. Like, no one wants to listen to their daughter die on the phone. But he did. He stayed on the line because he was like, those are the last words that she said to me. But he took it as like, remember me also. Mm -hmm. It was just like, it was real sad. On the other hand, you have David's ex-wife pleading for the jury to have mercy as this man has a daughter Mm -hmm. and he has a brother because Las Vegas carries out capital punishment and the death penalty in this case is on the table. So they're just trying to like make him, they're trying to humanize him. So it's like, don't put him on death row. Fun fact, Las Vegas is last execution was in 2006 and this murder happened in 2009. So yeah. Could have been it. The defense says that the blood at the crime scene is very important and feels that the officers tampered with the evidence as they entered the home. But it's like they what saw. What else were they going to do? Exactly. They saw blood pooling under the front door, seeping out into their clear view. Someone's oh in obvious, terrible danger. And it turns out that the man in the home is aggressively trying not to get arrested by police. Like, fucking red flag. Yeah. Like, you tell me how it could have turned out any differently with trying not to tamper with evidence. Yeah. Because you don't know if this guy's going to flee. You don't know if he... He still has a knife in his hand. You don't know if he's going to, like, do any more damage. Like, you just you just don't know. So, while in court, David tells the Jenkins family that he found God while he was in Clark County Jail and asks for the jury to show mercy and not give him life in prison. At least, you know, without the option of parole. He says, quote, I pray that you'll have closure. I'm sorry for what happened to Robin. If I could bring her back, I would give my life. But it's like he's not taking any responsibility. Like, I'm sorry for what happened to her. Bitch, you did. Yeah, <laughs> you are what exactly. happened to her. What? <sighs> it's very frustrating. So it's September 16, 2016, conviction day, because he took seven years before the trial happened, and it happened in 2009. So it's just like, damn, dude. Like, Jeez. yeah, he really, really took his time on this one. And David struts into court. He's smiling. He's got his hands in his pockets, and he's just walking in. He's flashing peace signs to people. Yeah. God's like, what's her face from Fuller House or Full House? Oh, it's at the fucking courthouse being like, I'm not guilty, and taking selfies with all her fans. That's oh, God. Why. It's like, bitch, you don't look good. No, no, you don't look good. Exactly. Oh, my God. So Robin's family say that they feel like David finding God is a mockery of their family because they're religious and they're trying to find the strength in their hearts to forgive him. And so they're just like, this is the biggest slap in the face for him to just be like, have mercy. I found God. You understand, don't you? You know, it's just awful. So he was feeling pretty good in court. He was just all smiles. Well, David is convicted of first-degree murder and is sentenced to life in prison, eligible for parole in 20 years. But technically, since he already served seven, it's 13 years until he's able to be eligible for parole. Well, five days after David is convicted and will now be moving to prison, mm-hmm. he's on video attacking a corrections officer. It, like, it's violent. Oh, my God. He says it was due to excessive force, and he was only fighting back in self-defense. But it looks like a blatant, unprovoked attack. He managed to get the officer, like, they were, like, wrestling for a while. Mm-hmm. But he's, like, a bigger dude. And it was only there was only one um, officer with him. Oh, my God. Manages to get him on the ground, wraps his legs around him, around his neck, and <gasps> puts him in, like, a leg, like, chokehold. Oh, my God. And, um... Manages to get the officer's flashlight from his belt and starts Uh, beating the shit out of the officer with his own flashlight. Oh, my God. So it almost a whole minute went by before (gasps) another officer. Like, it's it's creepy because you see what's happening in the video, like the fight. Uh And then you see, like, this other little video of, like, what's happening in, like, a different part of the office. And people are just going about their day while this fight is happening in the middle. It's like a horror movie. Yes, exactly. So another officer rushes in and is, and is able to help. Um, the officer who was attacked was taken to the hospital, and he is okay. He did have some some bruising and oh, some I'm bad sure. injuries, but he um, and he still suffers headaches and neck mobility due to the accident. Aww. 
So it turns out David was getting upset about the rules for his new prison home and um, just really didn't like what the cop was saying to him. And he just really didn't like that he wasn't able to brush his teeth where he wanted. And he just turned around and attacked him. Holy shit. So now David has an attempted murder conviction and battery conviction against the officer. So he's dealing with that now, too. Oh, my God. I couldn't find any other information regarding that hearing from 2016. So maybe he's dragging his feet yet again with another defense team. Where was God during that Where was God during that one? So, yeah, that was fucking – that was the weirdest thing that ever happened to me. so nuts. It blew my – I'm still floored. I'm still floored. I still haven't gotten over it yet. And it's so crazy because that's like a stranger that told you that. Yes. Where I have people that are listening to our podcast come up to me and say things like, oh, my God, I have to tell you this story, blah, 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 or write us in. Like, oh. they'll DM us and be like, oh, my gosh, this is so crazy. And then they'll kind of give me like a like a vague little thing. I'm like – Hey, guys, can you write it up and send it to me? Because I'd love to tell other people this story. Exactly. So maybe I just need to – no, because I feel like some of them – I want to tell their perspective. But that's so nuts. Mm -hmm. But also I just want to do a shout-out to our listeners. Like, hey, write us in these stories. Yes, please. Please. Mm -hmm. Because I want to read them. Like, I'm interested in the details. Absolutely. Because people just do this blanket like, did you know this? Oh, my God. Blah, blah, blah. And then – Give me more. Give me more. I Give me the more details. Information. Give me the information. I want so, the gritty, ugly stuff. Yes. Like, I want to know that part. Exactly. So write us in. Tell us. Yes. Yes. So please. that Rachel can tell your stories. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. Exactly. Yeah. So speaking of people that write in and write reviews, we're going to start doing a thing at the end of every episode that if you have written an iTunes review, so we're going to start from the beginning of the iTunes reviews. So if you start writing them like today, we're going to get to you in a couple weeks. Yeah. But iTunes reviews, DMs. And comments on our Instagram. And comments on our Instagram posts because you guys are so sweet and we want to give you guys a place to – or we want to, like, shout you guys out, basically. It's a community. It's a community. Yeah. So if you shouted us out on an Instagram story, we have, like, the history of all that stuff. So we want to start thanking you guys on the podcast. For listening to us. For listening. And being supportive fans. Exactly. So now is your chance to get on a podcast. Get out there. Go write an iTunes review. Go, to, go write a DM. Do it. Write on the post we put on Monday. Yeah, exactly. Write something kind Please. (laughs) (laughs) Give us those five stars. Give us the five stars. Make your friends do it. Yeah. Everybody. But Rachel's going to read our first ever iTunes review on the No Thank You Next podcast. Well, this – I mean, this one just – it cracked me up because we don't know who this person is. Okay. So through the iTunes reviews at the very beginning, of course, because only like – They're like our our parents and our (laughs) parents. Yeah. (laughs) We're listening. So we were able to kind of deduct who was who throughout the messaging. But there was one that I actually started messaging other people being like, is this you? Is this you? And no one fessed up. So we don't know who you are. If you're listening today, please let us know. Or if you want to stay a mystery, that's cool too. But we would really like to thank you personally. Seriously. That's just – I cracked up. It was just so good. It's so – It's such a nice review. Amazing. It's like the nicest. We're going to frame it. Yeah. <laughs> it's going to print it right now. Right? <laughs> so this is a five-star review from user that one guy with four Ys. <laughs> <laughs> so what they said is, feeling content with your life? Perhaps a stranger smiled at you or gave you a compliment and your faith in humanity was restored. Or maybe a date went particularly well. Whatever the case, this podcast is here to remind you that there are still fucking insane humans out here. Whether it's a Tinder nightmare turned horror story or a 30-year marriage turned betrayal, No Thank You Next will have you locking your door and deleting dating apps in no time. (laughs) So cozy up on that long commute of yours and get ready to laugh with your two new best friends who will have you awkwardly glancing at fellow commuters as you're wiping tears of laughter from your eyes at the ridiculous amount of cruise facts you now possess on top of your restored fear of strangers. (laughs) Like, that's Who like the you? best, yeah. Oh my god! Like it's so thoughtfully written. Seriously, so funny. Oh, the cruise facts. I like spit out my drink. I was like, <laughs> "You're welcome." So good. <laughs> it was really good. So whoever you are, thank you. Thank you for listening. I hope you're continuing to listen. Yes, and, I hope and you hear this. <laughs> 
Yes, exactly. Man, that exactly. would be a bummer. That <laughs> uh, would be a bummer if you're yeah. not out there anymore. Ooh. It was like, oh, that one episode really turned me. Yeah, right. Oh, I hope not. So good. So thank Anywho. you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. And if you want to be shouted out on this podcast, mm-hmm. go follow us on No Thank You Next Podcast on Instagram. You can find us on our Facebook. Just the four of us, group. I think, still. <laughs> One day we'll have more. But it exists. It exists. It's, it's there. out there. For you if you'd like it. Yep. And you can, I mean, you can DM us, you can comment, yes. and you can email us at nothinkyounextpodcast at gmail.com. Fantastic. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, that's our episode for that's episode it. 17. I know. Holy smokes. <laughs> In the can. That's right. All right. We'll see you next week for another horrible story. Bye. Bye. I think once it gets past, like, a certain degree, like, as soon as you get past, like, 101, it's... <laughs> oh, yeah. <no>. After... <laughs> I stopped recording. That's why it will make no sense right there. That's a pooper. That's okay. <laughs> but for real. Um, no, you open up your butt cheeks. Oh. And then the air comes out. It's just, like... You don't even feel it come out. You just know that it's. You just feel that breeze. (laughs) So if anyone's out there and they're newly dating someone and need to know, there are tricks. There are (laughs) tips and tricks here on No Thank You Next. That's what. Oh, so someone at work used to like always kind of make fun of me because I would never like reach for the candy dish or like I would never eat. Was it you? I think it was you. You're like, you're fucking eating M&M's at your desk. (laughs) Like I've never seen you shocked. It's either coffee or water. Yeah. And then I just like jitter my way through the day. (laughs) 